Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of It Starts With Attraction. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing ItStartsWithAttraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to ItStartsWithAttraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. This week on It Starts With Attraction. If we try to seek understanding versus trying to seek to be understood, it slows things all the way down. And when we are better listeners, like you mentioned, it creates an open space for us to hold the space for someone and just simply listen. Like it it de-escalates things when you can step back and just listen. There's a process to falling in love. And it starts with attraction. Join Kimberly Beam Holmes and her special guests as they discuss how to become the most attractive you can be, physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as we refer to it, working on your pies. We'll teach you how to have better relationships and become more attractive to others, and maybe more importantly, to yourself. It starts with attraction, and it starts now. I am so excited. I'm joined today by Wendy Hatchell, or um, AKA Wish, as we were talking about as we were starting this program, which is super fun. But Wendy is a personal and executive coach along with her husband, and they have founded a company called Over the Top Coaching. She, she focuses in her coaching on mental transition, overcoming limiting beliefs, and helping individuals break through barriers. Lord knows we all need that to achieve more. And through her facilitating and her training that she does along with her husband, she has helped individuals and organizations g- gain clarity on what's often right before them. And so in her coaching, she allows others to see and achieve what's on the inside of them. Their company also focuses on leadership development through executive coaching, team building, and motivational speaking. She has had the experience of working at Fortune 500 companies. She loves giving people white glove treatment to enhance their experiences. And gosh, she's done so (laughs) many things. But on top of all of that, she is married and has four kids, which that in and of itself is a job description and a handful. But she also loves playing tennis, running and reading inspirational books. Wendy, welcome to It Starts With Attraction. Thank you. Thank you, Kimberly. I love I just I was just taking that all in like, yes, I love what she's saying about me. (laughs) And it's true. All of it is true of you which is even better. All true. All things that I continue to evolve in and develop, but I am first just honored, privileged, and and just thankful to be able to sit here and have a conversation with you today. I've heard so many great things about you and the work that you do. And yeah, I'm just, I'm I'm, I'm privileged just to have the conversation. Mm. Thank you for inviting me. No, the the honor and privilege is for sure all of mine. And I, I have to ask you this question to get started, especially because you talk about how you love reading inspirational books. And I am seeing probably 800 books behind you right now. That might be a bit of a exaggeration, but maybe not. What is one of your favorite books that you would recommend to people? Oh, what am I? Know, I you weren't expecting that books. one. It wasn't was on the list. not expecting that one. It wasn't on the list. One of my favorite books books. 
You know, I'll say one of my favorite books because there's so many that I love. And as you ask that question, I start thinking about it. All these books just start popping in my head about that book made you cry. That book made you Mm -hmm. think differently. You know, that book made you do that. But there is one book that is near and dear to my heart um, by Lisa Turkhurst. And she Mm -hmm. wrote the book, The Best Yes. And Mm -hmm. I say that that was one of my favorite books because I was going through a phase in my life where I said yes to everything and Mm -hmm. it is crippling and it doesn't allow you to show up your best self and be authentic. And so reading that book had so many different examples of her personal experiences, but just how you can step into a best yes and a best yes means a no somewhere along the way and it's okay. Um, So yeah. Uh, that one came to mind. So I'm, I'm going to stick to that one. <laughs> Although there are good. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to put it on my list. I've heard many other people say that that was a great book and I have yet to read it. So oh, I need to just add yeah. it to my list. Yes, definitely. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, Wendy, today I definitely want to take the opportunity to speak with you about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think the appropriate question to start off this conversation is, can you explain what that actually means. Great. So I think this is a great question. Um, And I think, and I say it's a great question because I think people have normalized, not normalized, but they have just kind of pacified the whole diversity, equity, and inclusion um, Mm -hmm. acronym. And it's worth having the discussion about what actually is it. And the way that I describe it is it is it's an acronym, but it's an interconnected or woven together acronym that cannot operate outside of one another. Hmm. And so where diversity looks at, look at all the differences that are within this setting or within this space. Um, Equity looks at how do we look at all this diversity or these differences within this space and how do we make it fair Um, How do we make it just um, for all those folks in that space, regardless of the differences? And then inclusion is really inviting them to the table. So in this space, not only do we have a diverse space and not only are we trying to make things fair, equitable, making sure that we're not judging um, based on those differences, we're asking people for their opinions, their perspectives, right? And so we're valuing those things. So inclusion means that we value the differences that we bring to the table. Hmm. And so I love, yeah. So diversity, equity, inclusion, you'll even hear where they've tacked on the letter B as in boy to diversity, equity, inclusion. And they say belonging because belonging is huge as it relates to DE&I. Belonging simply just means like, how do I feel valued in the space that I'm in? Do I feel like I have a voice? Do I feel like even in that voice that I'm not being judged by having a voice? And so I feel Mm -hmm. comfortable. I feel good in this space, even though there are differences that are around me. Hmm. So would you say that diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging is something Mm -hmm. that people should do or is it something that should just organically be a part kind of like integrating it into a part of how we think and how we and how we surround ourselves with people who are different than us and intentionally um, see things I, I guess a better way to put it is 
is it something that we just do at work? Because we hear about this at work all the time, right? Like in the yeah. in the organizational setting, or should it really be a part of who we become and how we treat other people? Right. I mean, in a perfect world, it should be a part of our DNA. Yeah. It should really be a part of who we are and how we show up. But unfortunately, I mean, even looking at DEI and or DEIB, mm-hmm. you can even ask the question of why do we need it. Versus Mm -hmm. like, what is it? And Mm -hmm. we need it because, I mean, unfortunately, this country was built on systemic inequalities. So we have, Mm -hmm. you know, gender gap, ageism, um, you know, racial inequities and inequalities, disparities um, as well. And so when you look at it that way, it just I think it, it helps us understand how we have to unlearn some things to learn how to learn a new way of looking at the spaces that we're in. And it should really be a part of who we are, but it, it's something that we have to learn. So I went back to say, you know, this is just the way that things developed, but we have to look at why do we need DNI, And if we need it and we never knew we needed it maybe, or we didn't really think about it in this way, then it's something that needs to be learned. They're they're principles, they're practices, they are things that are actionable, they're movements. Mm -hmm. And so they're not things that intuitively we may have off the back. We may need to learn those things because we grew up a certain way. We look through a certain lens and not bad or good. It just makes us who we are. Mm -hmm. So In your bio, it says that for 15 years or more, you've been working in in different organizations. And Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, 15 years ago, social media was just Mm -hmm. really starting, but not definitely not what it is today. What what differences are you seeing among people in this regard? Because I'm sitting here thinking like, gosh, I feel like now in 2022, it is so much easier to not do any of these things. And you can just find Mm -hmm. the people who say what you want to hear, believe the things you, you want them to believe. Right. Um, was it still like that 15 years ago? And this is just bringing it out more in people, or do you think things have happened over the past 15 years that have made this worse? So I think well, 15 years ago, it, I think things were, we had blind spots mm. that were much greater than they are today. I think mm. with the polarization of all the injustices that we've been, been seeing, I think with the George Floyd tragedy, mm-hmm. that, and it being filmed and being broadcast to the world that oh allowed people to see mm-hmm. and they couldn't unsee those things, mm-hmm. right? And so 15 years ago, those things were happening. No question. Those types of things were happening, but the world didn't necessarily see it. And so if I don't see it, mm-hmm. I can pretend or stay within my bubble. Mm-hmm. And so today, I think there are definitely tragedies, um, events that have taken place that now have been polarized. And so we get to see, we see it every day. The fear that I have though, is that in seeing these things that we become numb to it versus Mm -hmm. when the incident with George Floyd, it made people angry. And that's where we needed to be angry enough to want to change. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And it made not just people, it made a collective group of people, a diverse group of people, not just Black people or Asian people, um, Indian or white people, people all over. Like we are the, we are more the same than we think that we are. We have a lot of, of uh, similarities than we think that we do. And so a lot of people came together and, and like enough. It's just simply enough. And so I I where that event was tragic there was good that came out of it for sure because i noticed this rise of deni um coming up in organizations whether it's corporate nonprofit and even in in consumer and retail you see it everywhere now and it's like it was always important always yeah. has has been important and integral and paramount that we focus on those things but those events made us make a decision. We had mm-hmm. to make a decision to change. Um, and I'm thankful, to be honest, that there is this uniformity um, in the change, collaboration across the country, really with making this change. Yeah. What do you think change looks like? I think change is going to look different for different people. Um, I mean, I truly feel like each of us are unique individuals and we have to meet each other where we are. And so we have to think about what does change mean in an organization versus what does change actually mean in my own home? Yeah. Right. Where the conversations weren't being had, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, we were living in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And so change looks like getting out of our comfort zone. Change looks like leaning into learning something new. Change is painful, but when we are tired of what we've always seen, the pain pushes us through that. And so I think change just looks like doing something different. Um, And it could be small, it could be large, but knowing where you are, where you can make that change for yourself individually or, you know, as an organization or an entity. Yeah. So going so going back to diversity equity inclusion belonging mm-hmm. to include in there as well how can we specifically be more intentional about seeking to understand the different perspectives that other people have that may look way different from the perspectives we have mhm so so you're asking how do we seek something different how do we seek out yeah. And being okay with seeking out different perspectives. Right. I mean, I, I think it starts, it can start with just your own self-awareness mm-hmm. of where your own blind spots are, where your own biases are, where you kind of fill in your day with these shortcuts that get you to where you need to go. So you, you leave out things that can create certain biases or stereotypes in your day. And I think... When we lean into a situation and we seek understanding versus us trying to always be understood, make our point, we're out Mm -hmm. here trying to survive instead of thriving together. Mm -hmm. When we seek understanding, that pushes us into a place of being patient with someone. When we're seeking understanding, we're listening more instead of talking more. Um, And then we're embracing the perspective of someone else. So one, I'm going to be self-aware. Like we talk about emotional intelligence and it's about self-regulation and and self-awareness and understanding where you are and how your emotions and things that you do impact others. 
but it's it's going a step further than that and understanding that my lens or my view, my interpretation of life is shaped by how I grew up. But now, is there a possibility that there could be other interpretations, other views, other belief systems? And when we say or ask the question, what is possible? I think that's where we step into a place of being open versus being closed off. And everything is the way that I've grown up. I've, gr- I've grown up having this closed mindset or this fixed mindset about things or people versus having a growth mindset about people um, and wanting to learn more about people and understand them more. Yeah. You said uh, just a minute ago about, you know, we can choose, I wish I could back it up and remember exactly how you said it, but it was something about, you know, we're starting our day and the biases that we, we might have. Can you give some examples of, of what some of those could be? Hmm. So I think about it could be very innocent and it may and we may not think about it as a bias, but it could be the way that I'm trying to think of an example of maybe I'm in a grocery store and I'm shopping and I hear an interaction. And depending on the store that I'm in and the interaction that I hear, I may automatically assume that this interaction is a negative one or, you know, based mm-hmm. on the people that I see that mm-hmm. it could result in a particular thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a bias. It's, and it's a bias based on how I grew up. So it's like mm-hmm. these unconscious things that we do that we don't necessarily think about. Um, we just fit them in our day to get through the day and not necessarily really think about them. And you're yeah. making me think about that now. Like, what are some things making me think about what are some things that I may be mm-hmm. making assumptions about. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'll probably do it all the time with my kids, making assumptions about a thing that they may have done or not done, haven't even thought to have the conversation, right? But I'm just making an mm-hmm. assumption based on some experiences I've had with you in the past. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't do a particular thing. Yeah. So. Which goes back to what you said just a minute ago, which is, you know, being self-aware, but then having the conversations. And I think that's a really key part. Having mm-hmm. conversations with real people who have different beliefs than you, different backgrounds, different experiences, mm-hmm. and listening to understand. And that is such a helpful thing. I had I have a friend who a couple of years ago on her Instagram, she was doing like an Instagram live. And um and so she's a white woman and she's friends with this this black teenage man. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, and they were talking about this kind of subject, like mm-hmm. racism and and how it may show up when uh, people don't realize that's that's how it's kind of coming out. And I'll mm-hmm. never forget what he said. He said, I can't tell you how much it breaks my heart when I see a woman walking towards me. And when she sees me, she clenches her person tighter and switches to the other side of the street. And I thought, Oh my gosh. Like I can see it in my mind and see how I've done it in the past. Right. And mm-hmm. not just for a, for a black man, like certain, any color, like there's a certain kind of look that you may look for, right. Because we right. see it in media and, and all of this stuff. And I just think, man, how does that message come across to those people who see me acting in that way? Right. That is a, that's a great example. And I, it's so, It does pain me to think about because you as a white woman 
may have demonstrated that behavior, but it could have been unconscious. But someone of color could have demonstrated that same behavior against someone of color because of this pervasive thing mm-hmm. that we see in the media about people of color mm-hmm. in certain, you know what I mean? And yeah. so we do it and it, and we are not thinking about the other person. We're not yeah. thinking about how this is landing on them and how right. that can shut people down, totally yeah. turn them off and, and they not be open to any conversation or learning about anything. Right. Right. What, what messages someone might have in their mind about themselves, like, like thinking of that man that Mm -hmm. said that on the Instagram live and just thinking there are these messages in media and stuff that may come across about, about someone who looks like him Mm -hmm. and he is not that way. But when people act that way towards him, like, does it just reinforce it in his mind? Oh, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I think, it, yeah, when we see movies, when we see commercials, mm-hmm. when we see ads that present a certain demographic of people a certain way, mm-hmm. and you don't, you haven't yet experienced those people, then that's what you learn. That shapes how you see them. And yeah. when people respond to you that way, and then you even, you probably, you think, you know, that that's why they're responding that way. That is crushing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it furthers the, the divide, mm-hmm. right? Because now you're looking at me as this monolithic person and, and, and black people, Asian people, white people, Hispanic, mm-hmm. Latinx are made up of so many different identities. So when we don't, you know, look at the intersectionalities of how we are alike, it just is damaging. It's damaging. And it totally blows out the window, kind of embedding DE&I in the fabric of who we are and the DNA of who we are, because we're not we're not thinking about diversity. We're certainly not thinking about inclusion, because inclusion means that I want you to feel like you have a voice. I want you to feel like you have space. I want you to feel like you are valued. So. By me acting a certain way, um, clutching my purse, that doesn't make you feel valued, you know? Yeah. 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 So you have four kids and you mentioned a little bit ago that one key way that we can do more of this and have more intentionality and become people who are naturally this way that search and seek for diversity and equity and inclusion and belonging. What are some things you're doing with your kids to foster this in them as they grow up? You know, they're all older now. So now they are 16, 18, 22 and 25. But I would say along the way, and even now having the conversation opening up the conversation when we see things in movies, in the media, about how did that resonate? How did that land with you? It's simple. I think it's it's very basic just to open up the dialogue. And it's something that we don't do. I had a, a senior leader um, mention to me that when all of this these events started to happen around racial injustice, that his kids came to him and was like, is this happening? Why haven't we seen this before? And he had to sit back and, and one, admit and acknowledge and be okay with him not knowing in that moment. 
um, but saying we need to do more, right? Like we need to explore more. We need to read more. We need to do more to seek understanding. But with my kids, it's literally like we'll see a movie and we'll see these undertones of things and we'll have the conversation. But my kids are like totally everybody is everybody and we love everyone. And we know that every that people are imperfect, Mm -hmm. um, that people make mistakes, but they I think they teach me in a lot of ways because they Mm -hmm. see the person for their uniqueness and not as a whole people. So we know Mm -hmm. there are some bad groups of people, but they look at people um, uniquely individual. Um, Mm -hmm. And I thank God for the way that they view and see things. I think they just were born that way. (laughs) Um, I know that they've developed over time into those um, decision-making things, but I think totally having the conversation, just opening it up. You don't have to have the answer. But just like, hey, hey, did you think about this? Or how did you feel when this happened? Yeah. Or what could we have done differently? Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. I'm I'm curious about how, especially in organizational coaching that you've done, how you work with people who maybe they there are there is a group of people that works together and they have very different beliefs about different things. And um sometimes neither are good or good or bad, but maybe there are times where it's like one person is in the right and one person is in the wrong about something. How do you coach people to, to navigate things like that while, while also holding this diversity, equity, and inclusion part of it? Yeah, I've had opportunities to work with groups and teams that have been very dysfunctional Mm-hmm. Um, have been very fragmented and backbiting and, and all mm-hmm. of that. And yeah. one of the things that I love to start with first is bringing groups together and going through what we call a values assessment. And I know um, people have heard about values assessments, but the mm-hmm. way that we do the values assessment is for, and it's, sometimes it could be a half day, sometimes it could be two hours, but the idea is let's come together as a group and explore and understand first, what are my own values? Because some people don't even know what they value. And then once they understand what their values are, I take them through a period where they dig deeper into what they value with the group, right? So they, I use myself as an example and I let them know that this is a safe space and I want them to dig deep and feel okay being vulnerable and transparent because it's getting underneath the iceberg Mm -hmm. of their values Mm-hmm. is how people connect to other people. So I it. It, I, it it allows them yeah. to do a little bit of storytelling and people think like, I don't know how to tell stories, but like, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. And so when they talk about, I'll ask them, so five people in a room could say, I value family. And I say, okay, why do you value family with each of those individuals? Because why they value family is going to be different for one person versus another, or why they value um, um, finances. They could value uh, relationships, but generally people value things that they've had experiences with, whether it had been good or bad, whether, you know, they had an abundance of it 
or they were lacking it. And it literally, when they get to see the person that they work side by side with, and now I understand what wakes you up in the morning. I understand like before I was seeing 10% of who you are every day, right? Now I get to see the 90% that's underneath the iceberg of how you showed up today, why you show up the way that you show up. And when we do that, it helps people respect and honor each other. Right. So if I know that you value a particular thing, now I am going to respect and honor that when I'm in conversation with you. So I may not say a certain thing, you know what I mean? Or I may have more conversation with you about a particular thing. And when I ask you how you're doing, I'm not asking you how you're doing in passing. I'm literally stopping to ask, how are you? Mm -hmm. And I'm waiting to hear your response. And when I've done that with teams, I've done it over a six month period, over 12 month period. Those teams turn into super high impact performing teams. And it is like night and day because now I know the why. I know the why behind. Um, I know a little bit more about the story. And so people get connected that way. They get totally connected that way. They care about people like we're in this world to do life together. It's a partnership, mm-hmm. cold partnership mm-hmm. together. When people un- get to understand that, regardless of what you look like, where you came from, you know, how much money you have, what you don't have, that there is this partnership to do life together. It it helps and makes things smoother. Mm-hmm. I love this. And I don't just love it for organizations. I think this is something that is great to do with your spouse. I yes. think it's great to do with your kids as they're older, right? Like you could take yep. this and do it with any relationship just to to enhance it and make it deeper. You can. And we totally do it. My husband and I, through our company, and do it. And we tell people to do it regularly because yeah. depending on your set of circumstances, our values change. So where I valued one thing one day, where I valued maybe finances one day or not one day, but in one season of my life in this next yeah. season, the values have shifted and changed. And we want to keep people aware of what of what's happening in our life. Oh, that's good. I love, love that. Definitely <laughs> highlighting it as a takeaway from this, from this episode. And yeah. I know the conversation my husband and I are having tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh, okay. So we've talked about, about that and that can definitely connect people and help, help really empathize. You're able to empathize better with people and see where they're coming from when you understand their stories and and the things that they value. But what are some other tips that you have on how we can disagree with other people without canceling them or getting upset or just avoiding them because we don't share the same belief? Yeah. When I think about getting in disagreements, I think about when I've been in disagreement with someone. And Mm -hmm. the first thing that happens often is we take offense Mm -hmm. because we hold so tightly to the thing that we are maybe talking about or very passionate about. And we go into a conversation or an interaction Mm -hmm. trying to be understood. We talked about that earlier. Like if we try to seek understanding versus trying to seek to be understood, it slows things all the way down. And when we are better listeners, like you mentioned, it Mm -hmm. creates an open space for us to hold the space for someone and just simply listen. Like it it de-escalates things when you can step back and just listen. And the thing is, you have to have, I think, this growth mindset 
around all of this because a growth mindset says that there's no, that we can learn to be different and we can learn to embrace difference. Um, that it's this evolving thing. It's dynamic. It's not a static thing. Um, and when I think about it, disagreements are uncomfortable. So we sometimes just have to make the choice to be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and be okay having a courageous conversation and not pushing our objective or agenda on someone else. I know many times I've had conversations with my husband and we are deep in fellowship having conversations (laughs) and I'm no longer listening, Mm. right? I am waiting to get my next point across so that you can understand how you made me feel. Yeah. So it's this selfless thing. It's taking the spotlight off of you and putting it on the other person and giving them that space to flow. And you just simply listen and and just being aware of that. Like we, if you don't look at differences and diversity, you are going to have a hard time being able to, to have a conversation and have a difference of opinion. It's totally fine. There are other possibilities. There are other meanings to things because we've all had different experiences. There are different interpretations of things. So you see a car accident. If I'm standing on this corner and you're standing on that corner, you're going to see it differently. Mm-hmm. And so why in the world would you tell me I didn't see what I saw when I was standing over here and you were standing over there? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a difference. It's just we were in different places. And so I think just a really great way is just to let down the walls, go into any conversation or any any interaction that you're having, seeking understanding, not seeking to be understood, um, looking for um, greater awareness about who you're talking to, right? Like have a genuine curiosity mm-hmm. about the person that you're interacting with. Mm-hmm. What, do, what do they want me to know and why do they want me to know it right now? So mm-hmm. I got to practice that, Kimberly. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy, you're in good company (laughs) for sure. But all of the, I mean, everything you're saying, I'm writing it down and just thinking, yes, and this is good for healthy relationships in general, right? Like this is the way, it really sounds like diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging. If we were doing relationships well and seeking the good of others and being curious about them and wanting what's best for them, then this Mm -hmm. would, this would be life. This would be how we were in community with each other and it would be beautiful. Yes. Isn't it? Cause I know we're talking about it when we, when everybody thinks about DEIB, they automatically think about, you know, race mm-hmm. or gender mm-hmm. or age or identity. Um, but I love how you said that, that if we are looking at diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging as the umbrella that we're standing under, then we would all do life together much, much better, Mm -hmm. much more harmonious, right? Like Mm -hmm. there will be times where we disagree. There will be times where there is conflict and there is healthy conflict. There is a way to navigate conflict, a right way to navigate conflict. And it's okay to get to be passionate about things, but Mm -hmm. what it's not okay to do is to stay fixed in that passion um, and not be open to hearing what someone else may be passionate about and why. Yeah. But yeah, I love that. It should be in our DNA. I wish that we could just get a shot, a DEIB right. shot, right. <laughs> right? Injection, like we get in these vaccinations. And it just, okay. Now I'm starting who we to are. 
I'm starting to operate a little bit differently. I'm starting yeah. to think a little bit differently about about yeah. things, about life, about people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, I have to ask you this question It and it has to do, so taking a bit of a step back from what we've been talking about, but mm-hmm. in, in what you do with your coaching and, and how you focus on mental transition, overcoming limiting beliefs and helping individuals break through barriers. Mm-hmm. That should be, first of all, its own podcast episode. I'm going to have to have you back. But what, like, why did you, why that? Why, when y'all started this coaching program and things that you do, why was that something you wanted to highlight and help people with? So that is a specialty of mine and I'm sure of other coaches. Uh, My husband focuses in different areas, but for Mm. me in particular, it was something that I had to overcome. Mm. And I, and I realized and experienced how much it held me back, Mm. how much it sabotaged my success, my relationships, um, my self-talk. It at times had me in shackles, bound, Mm -hmm. not being who God created me to be. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, coaching, I love inspiring and motivating people and encouraging people. Even when at times before I got certified as a coach that I was doing it for myself, I love doing it for other people. And I'm like, there's something to this. Mm -hmm. And so that became, so when I got certified, that became really the foundation of where I wanted to focus with women and with people in general, but really with women, because we sometimes are our worst critic and we sabotage ourselves so many times. We have to be a hundred percent skilled at a thing before we step into that space where others can be 75% ready and they're bold and walking into a space. And so I really felt like there was a need Um, And I love that there are other coaches who focus on this as well. There is a need to help people have an awakening. And the answer is, I always tell people, I'm not giving you the answer. You have the answer already sitting on the inside of you. It is through relationship that we have, through this dance that we do, this partnership that we do together in this coaching that I listen, Hmm. hold the space for you, allow you to reflect ask you some really provocative questions that things open up. And I tell you when you can see it on someone's face when they're thinking and then when they shift and sometimes it brings people to tears because they never thought about how they were holding their own self back, how they were limiting their success, their relationships. The thing, the very things that they said they wanted, they were doing the opposite to get it. And I've been there. I've lived it for years. And once I came out of that space, I'm like, I can't keep this to myself. <laughs> I can't keep this to myself. I got. I, I want to be able to do this with other people. Mm. Why have you not written a book on that? Why? <laughs> Where is your book, Wendy? Where is it? Uh, you know what? I so you are not the first person to tell me that. So I really need, and I do journal. I do. Yeah. I really need to think about that a little bit more because <laughs> it's so necessary. It is it's so necessary. It yeah. is so necessary. And yeah, it's one of the number one things I hear from. I hear from the people I work with, which is I don't know how to change the thoughts in my head. I don't know how 
to stop saying these negative things or believing that these terrible things are going to happen. It's, it's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. Just need, see, that's why it's all about doing it's You, it's, some people say it's willpower. You can do it alone. You can, and mm. to a degree you can, but when you're doing it in connection with someone else, yeah, like as a coach, I am someone's cheerleader. Mm-hmm. I am not their judge. So when they do a certain thing, say a certain thing, I am not there to say it's right or wrong. I'm there to listen and to allow them that space to have that transition, that shift in that moment. And you can't do that alone. You can. You can talk to I talk to myself sometimes, but <laughs> better. <laughs> well, yes. I... I also love what you said about, I ask them provocative questions. As soon as you said that, I'm like, Ooh, what are these <laughs> questions she's asking people? It depends. It's so it's interesting because the, the provocativeness in the question comes from what the person is allowing you to hear. Right. Yeah. So it just depends. It could be a provocative question about engineering, right? Mm-hmm. It, it totally depends. Or it could be a personal question, but it could, it's basically a question based on what you are providing me. Mm-hmm. And it's a question on about not the curiosity of what's behind it, but it's forward moving mm-hmm. about where you desire to be. How bad do you want it? What does mm-hmm. it look like to have what you say you want to have? What does it feel like? And if you had it, you know, what, what would it smell like in that moment? You know, mm-hmm. what would it feel like? Things like that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I could come up with some provocative questions if you tell me a few things. Right. <laughs> Wendy, there's going to be a part two. I already wrote it down. I'm like, Wendy's coming back on the show. We need to invite her for this topic. It's going to happen. That's going to need its own 40 minute conversation. <laughs> nice. Yes. Yes, I love it. Well, as we're wrapping up, where can our listeners find you? Can you tell us more about what you're doing? There is a book that that <laughs> you <is>. you <laughs> and your husband tell us more. So tell us all the things. Well, so you can definitely find me if you go to overthetopcoaching.com. You can find me online, right? Everything about over the top coaching, my husband and I, um, and another coach um, that we work with. You can find everything about the work that we do, the speaking engagements that we do, the opportunities to have coaching uh, agreements with us. But mm-hmm. in that, you could also reach me on LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to get better with my my social media, but you can always find me on LinkedIn um, and online. But I did want to mention this book. And yes. it is a book that my husband wrote. It's called The Inspired Career. And the subtitle is Breathe New Life into Your Job by Getting Equipped, Empowered, and Engaged. And I love this book, not because he's my husband, um, but because in this book, he was able to just make it very easy and simple for people to show up their best selves, right? He broke the book out into two parts, the foundational part of the book of what are the fundamental foundational things that I need to know about being my authentic self, about Mm -hmm. knowing that there are acres of diamonds right where I am. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then once I know these fundamental foundational things, the part two of the book is how do I then put them into action? And so he goes through chapters of how you then begin to put those things into action. And so I've done workshops with him at other organizations, even within my own organization that I work for um, right now, currently at T-Mobile. And these workshops on each chapter, 
breaking them out, spending time, you know, a few hours and even a half day sometimes of tackling these these ideas of how we show up our authentic self and be unapologetic about it because we're always apologizing about why we are, who we are and how we are, but it's showing up that way. And so that I would say would be, you can find that book anywhere where books are sold, actually, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever books are sold, you can find it. Perfect. And it's called The Inspired Career. Yes. By Jeffrey David Hatchell. By Jeffrey David Hatchell. We'll, We'll include it in the show notes as well, but this is good for anyone who's in any type of position at a job. Totally. In any type of position right. in a job, whether you are a leader of people or you mm-hmm. are someone who um, is that you are an individual contributor, mm-hmm. it's wherever you are, mid-level, starting level, it's really to help you take it up a notch that's and fantastic. keep growing. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Great resource. And I know a lot of people are wanting to, to up-level their themselves right now, especially in this crazy time of work that we're in, people are getting burnt out and transition and all of the things. So that's a perfect resource for listeners to have as well. So we'll definitely include that in the show notes. Totally. Oh, Wendy, you are fantastic. I love our conversation that we've had. I look forward to continuing it in part two in the future, if you're so willing. Uh, But thank you. This has been fantastic. Yes, Kimberly, thank you so much. I would love to do a part two um, with you. There's so much more that I know that we can dig into, but I thank you for opening up this conversation and making it fun, even though it's a topic, you know what, that it is important and it can be serious, but I think the dialogue that we were able to have, I think, opened it up. This was such an amazing conversation with Wendy Hatchell. I Man, I have so many takeaways and I could recap the entire conversation because that's how many notes that I took, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to focus on the key and the highlights of what we talked about. The first is to remember that diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging isn't just something to kind of check off a box. It is a way that we should start approaching all of the people in our life. Diversity means that we're looking at all of the differences. Equity means how do we look at all the differences and try and make it fair. Inclusion is inviting people who have different thoughts or beliefs than you to the table. And then belonging is allowing people and creating a space for people to be valued where they are. So some ways that we can do this is by being intentional about finding these people who have different beliefs than us, have different life backgrounds than we do that look different than us and being in relationship with those people. Because once you really know and get to know who a person is and the story of their life begins to break down so many barriers that society has put up. So start by being aware and having conversations with people in your life and creating genuine friendships, being genuinely curious about the point of view and the mindset of other people and how they react to situations. And it is the exact opposite of what we see on social media so often now, where a person in their first post just blatantly says, people who think this way are all idiots. And then all that happens under that is either an echo chamber of people who have similar thoughts or the people who do believe that thing, that the person said they were idiots to believe, start just getting defensive. And there's no space for truly seeking to understand or to listen. There's no relationship. We've lost relationship. So how do we intentionally create relationship again? And that starts with 
being intentional, getting in relationship. It starts by doing the thing that we're trying to do and not just doing it through a social media post, but going to your next door neighbor, going to people that that are in different areas of the, the place that you live in that have a different life than you do and being intentional, finding these times and spaces to be intentional about creating relationships with people different than you. The other really great thing that I loved was in your own relationships that you do have now, have conversations about values. And you can find online sheets of values, just type in values worksheet, and there's a ton of them that will pop up on Google Images if you go there. You can print some out, and it's just a list of words, honestly, but they are words that people typically tend to value, and there can be anywhere from 30 to 100 different words. And that can just be a starting place for you to look at that list and circle the top five that really strike the chord with you the most. So I know in the past when I have done this exercise, one of my values that comes up every time is compassion. Another one that comes up every time is achievement. Those are two that are pretty high for me. But just knowing those two values don't really tell you much about me as a person. Why? The question is, why are those things that I value? And so having that exercise as a starting place for you to do with your husband, with your wife, with your kids, with your small group, with your neighbor, I mean, do it as just a fun thing, like an icebreaker. That is a great way to start the conversation. And then don't just understand what the value is. Ask the question of why. Hear the story behind it. I love that exercise. And then in everything we do for the final point, lead with genuine curiosity. It's so easy to get defensive. It's so easy to get offended, especially in today's society. But how can we put those things aside, stop that habit in its tracks, and instead lean in to having genuine curiosity of asking questions of another person? Those are my key takeaways for today. Until next week, stay strong.